This is a call to actions. Hello everyone, 1229. Yes, this is an experimental podcast. We're not sure how it sounds, but we're out on our long walks and we'll get past these cars here in a minute, though we are live on Podbean. So whoever's listening to this, if you want to listen to our live streams, go to Podbean, the Podbean app, and download it and subscribe to A Call to Actions, and you'll get notifications when we're doing live streams. And more people that come in during the live streams uh, proves to me that you guys like hearing us, and we'll keep doing it more. So we need your feedback. Anyways, uh, today we're going to talk about our origins and how we met, Kimberly and I. And basically where a call to action started. I'm going to go all the way back to uh, a trigger that happened after 9-11 where it was in January 2002 and I had just gone out for a run and I was just stopped and asked God. I said, I have a lot to be grateful for, but I have a void in my heart and I don't understand what it is. And the next day I could hear God speak to me. And my life has never been the same since because I do hear God speak to me. And it was in 2013 that I uh, was doing quite a few internet radio um, Shows, sessions yeah. that um, I was being interviewed and we were discussing things like transhumanism and um, a lot of the technology that the farthest technology that's out there. So, um, discussing ethics. Was getting a lot of censoring. And so one day I was. Um, you know, I heard God speak to me. He said, it's called a call to actions, Kimberly, build it. And that was the beginning of a call to actions. That day he gave me the name, I built the website, and that website, and then the f- we started doing interviews because this was, you know, how we prevented the censorship. And Bobby was my third interview. So the third interview, there's like number three. Um, a little windy out here. It is a little windy. But uh, the third interview was Bobby, and he was exposing his hometown, um, the nuclear... I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't exposing my hometown. I was, well, ex- I was exposing a nuclear plant that lurks on the outskirts of my hometown. So yeah. That was the beginning. Um, it wasn't too long after that that Bobby had a visitor... You wanted to go into what happened there. Yeah, Kimberly interviewed me. Um, well, let me go back just a little bit. Uh, Kimberly interviewed me after I had bailed out of college. I uh, was given the opportunity to go to Murray State University to participate in art classes and try to get a degree, right? Uh it felt very it, entrapping. Uh, I felt really confined, more like I was just a a, a cog in a wheel. Pretty much, just like a spoke in a, in the wheel. Yeah, um, and I mean, we, there were great art teachers there. Uh, you know, great artists, etc. You know, good environment, 
but it just wasn't for me. It just wasn't I for think me. Both of us have had the same experience when it comes to mainstream education, as we feel that the whole, the wholeness of education, the fullness of education, isn't there. Um, it's watered down. It's it's not really given to us in a very applicable way, where we don't just take knowledge and you know regurgitate it on tests. We actually take the knowledge and use it like a skill. So Bobby and I both have had that sense, uh, even though I went to some college, it was because the place I worked was paying for it. I wasn't going to pay for it out of my pocket because I felt like... Out of pocket. Out of my pocket because I didn't feel that it was um, worth my time and effort, where I felt like both of us have learned more on our own in an, in an organic way. And by putting patterns and pieces together and connecting things, we have a much broader understanding yep. than mainstream college so, could ever teach us. Yeah, yeah, I felt really confined in that I was, that I felt that I was abandoning my true mission. Art is something that is a skill, a gift that God gives you. Uh, some people are taught art. But with me, it just became really natural at a very young age. And I am also so, an artist. Yeah. So uh, I just felt like it was a waste of time. And the environment was, was bad. I was probably going to get up, get into even more trouble than I already got into while I was over there. Um, it, I was investigating a, a fraternity house that has, has uh, skull and bones. Um, painted on it yeah it was it was a weird situation where they're intentionally getting women uh, girls uh, wasted drunk and taking advantage of them and I didn't like that and I attempted to give them a piece of my mind they didn't like that so they threw me out and then I was I was manhandled by some police officers that thought I had like some kind of weapon on me or something. Uh, they <laughs> they ended up hurting me, and I got out like that day. But uh, so I'm glad I did, and I have uh, my best friend. My best friend actually like paid for my my bail, I believe. And uh, my best friend, his name is Stephen Harris, lifelong best friend. He's a skateboarding cop, <laughs> which is a rare breed. Anyways, uh, so I was like, man, this is stupid, dude. I can't do this. I got to get back to Metropolis. So growing up in Metropolis was weird. Um, there was pretty much like praise and worship over Superman which is, I think it's fun, to, you know, the idea of superheroes, uh, but to worship, but to worship Superman um, is kind of uh, weird. But anyways, I went back home and took it upon myself to take action in the town and pretty much assume a real life role as a vigilante or 
try to become a superhero. So I, I tried to. So that's where I learned my investigative skills, research skills, and acquiring documents, uh, finding information, how to get the information, and really started to understand the power that just a few photographs can have. Never doubt the power that a few photographs have. So I did take photos of one of their uranium, let me say that again, uranium cylinder storage yards that rest in open air along the Ohio River in southern Illinois, right on the border of Kentucky, Kentucky-Illinois border, right on the Ohio River, right there. That's Tornado Valley and the epicenter for the New Madrid fault line. Earthquake zone, tornado zone, uh, hurricane winds, ice storms. Holy moly. And they had these radioactive cylinders just sitting out in open air without any covering. And they, then they hardened the facility to make it more weatherproof or whatever. But they did not encase or in shelter the, the uranium storage containers. No. So got those photos, posted them up online. This was back in the early days of Facebook. <laughs> the early days of Facebook. And... Um, Kimberly caught wind of the photos. No, actually, another person did. And you caught wind of them, though. Well, another person connected me to Bobby, and that's where we decided we were going to do an interview. And then after that interview, Bobby received a visitor. Go ahead, Tom. After the that. interview, that was my fir the first time I've ever been interviewed. It was by Kimberly, called actions. Um, Kimberly is the founder of A Call to Actions. God's the creator. I just built it and continue to be the hands and feet, mouth. and. Who was the creator? Well, God's idea. He was the one who told me to, he gave me the name and he gave me the passion yeah. behind it to build yeah. it. Yeah. And therefore, it was built and many, 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 many beautiful things and miracles have happened yeah. since then. Yeah. Not long after Kimberly's interview with me. I received a, a yell up the stairs. I was living with my mom. I was 26, still living with my mom. Yes, because I lived a life of vigilantism. That's what I did. That's what I did. Anyways, so I received a yell up the stairs while I was in the shower, taking a shower. Didn't even have time to shave. <laughs> a little scruffy. And so I go down the stairs uh, as I'm going downstairs my mom says uh, it's a it's a police officer down here or something something like that and uh, I go out there it's a modest man with glasses and I believe it is like dark navy blue 
uh, he was an FBI agent. He was actually a special agent, the WMD coordinator for the FBI for the state of Illinois. WMD, that's a weapons of mass destruction coordinator for the FBI. And he asked me a couple of questions, uh, which, you know, I honestly answered. One being, so what are your intentions with Honeywell? I guess they had seen me on surveillance camera, right? I just honestly told him as I looked out at my neighborhood, my intentions are to expose them. Because, I mean, what would you do if you've seen with your own eyes corruption and radioactive tyranny in your own community? What would you do? He sat there for an odd silence for about five seconds, nodded his, nodded his head, and wrapped up the case and uh, gave me his card and told me that if I have any more questions or any other information to give him a call, I'm not going to disclose his name. I still have his card, though. <laughs> uh, so anything from there, Kimberly, that you want to but say? But since then, you found that he'd stepped down from that role and gave his life to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Not long afterwards, because not long after that, I moved out to California Kim with Kimberly. Kimberly left. A well, basically, um, we interviewed in March. Uh, God put it on my heart to have Bobby attend a... Uh, a Navajo event on the Navajo land just north of uh, Loop, yeah, which is north of Flagstaff in Arizona. Navajo Reservation. So uh, he flew out for that event in April. Uh, us and several others attended. Always, you know, just amazing experiences we've had there. And from there, you know, Bobby had to return home. And when he left we both felt like half of our body just got ripped off <laughs> yeah it was you yeah know, it was this, weird this. i it's the first time that i i had briefly met someone and spent just a few days with them and felt separation anxiety yeah so then at that point you know it was it was god's um it was god's vision to for us to be together as a team yeah and i was still living with my mom still and of so course therefore, with no job of course <laughs> well and so i mean it was a very sharp left turn i was uh in a relationship at the time i wasn't looking to leave the relationship but it wasn't necessarily fulfilling how long was the relationship you were in that you left 20 years <laughs> I wasn't married but um the relationship wasn't Fulfilling in a sense that I, I felt like my my mission um, and all the work that Bobby and I have done was not being supported. So when God brought Bobby into my life and me into his, we both recognized that this was his will and we decided to, you know, we were basically interview happened in march event in navajo reservation in april and we were living together and at the end of uh, at the yeah. end of july so it's a yeah. very 
quick. Kimberly, Kimberly, change. Kimberly um, bought me a bus ticket to take a bus from Tropolis, scooted over the river, went over to Paducah, Kentucky, took a Greyhound, uh, California. I believe to California from Southern Illinois. To Southern California. To Southern California. <laughs> yeah. so. And uh, that, it took two and a half days or three days, something, something like that. Anyway, our, our mission, you know, boots on the ground as soon as Bobby arrived, you know, our our life was okay. We're, we're building this this mission and we had many conversations about... It was a leap of faith. It was certainly a leap of faith for both of us. Well, when God puts something on your heart, you, know, you, you kind of don't question it. It's like, it's a knowing. Absolutely. It's a knowing. Yeah. So... Um, that, that led us to have many conversations about what we could do together about the nuclear situation and how we felt the patterns were going to be the same of the corruption, all the cover-ups, everything that was going on at these different nuclear spaces. Early on, when we first started talking, uh, we, we both were aware of this strange, uh, in my opinion, gory concept known as transhumanism and we both deeply opposed it yeah the agenda is really disgusting i mean if you think about it it's it's we're not talking transgender anything like that we're talking we're talking the integration of man and machine which you know biblically it says you're not supposed to mesh uh Iron, and, iron clay. and clay, and this is exactly going against what God would have. Plus, God created us beautifully and fearfully to do God's work. So, if we've been manipulated into some sort of non-human, but a human hybrid to a machine, which is what these transhumanisms 2045.com want to do and they have they have an agenda they have they have their stages of how they're going to progress into their agenda because they want to live like gods they think if they can put their consciousness into a, a some sort of container other than the human body which is a temple uh then then they're gonna you know escape judgment they're gonna escape death but in all actuality they just become a a vampire stuck in a shell, the ghost in the machine, if you will. And so does that sound like fun? Not really. Um, Absolutely not. And uh, just the way that we operate, we're DIY kind of guys and gals. So we figured out how to investigate. We started developing investigative skills and collaborating with others and going deep into their agenda and exposing it uh, it was it at first it was a little shell shocking uh, well when we started really digging into this and, and exposing it and how they're using this smart technology mm -hmm. and all this stuff to integrate us into this you know worldwide web if you will to be a node on their web to be controlled by the machines think terminator think skynet i mean all that stuff 
how they, yeah, they're using the social control, the social score stuff that they're trying to bring here that's already in China, where they can, they know what you're doing, they know how, how you're speaking out, censoring, basically at the end of the day, you know, threatening to take your finances away from you. Um, it, it's, it's, it's here. It's going on. What it is, right now. what the machine is attempting to do is slowly invade Earth and overthrow humanity on Earth. If you look at it from a time scale perspective, over time, time lapse, of humans creating the technology up till what we have today. You look at it from different viewpoints, it does seriously uh, look like what we perceive as a, an invasion of a planet. And it's been, the last decade, it's been exponential in how quickly they're moving with this technology. Of course, you're not gonna yeah. hear about that on mainstream news, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're constantly, just the stuff that Elon Musk is doing, um, the stuff that- Dr. Zavos. The stuff that- um, for for a long for a long time before Kimberly and I met, I was I got into the topic. I wanted to start to understand and expose human cloning, and you know that was a topic that had kind of uh, just died away uh, in the mid two thousands when for for some reason it didn't even really come back up to the surface so i took it upon myself to start to uncover and unravel these uh these puzzle pieces and start putting them together in the human cloning realm and what kind of stoked my interest in wondering if human cloning was was even a real concept was uh was reading uh superboy comics from the uh, mid 90s that uh, that when superman quote died before he returned <laughs> there were other supermen in metropolis claiming to be superman and but superboy was a clone and you know he escaped from the lab and then had to learn how to manage his, his skills and gifts and really start to understand uh, what was really going on. And I just, I related to that on a pretty personal level, uh, you know, living in Metropolis and the struggle, the real struggle against the, the nuclear plant and various other epidemics there. You know, there is a real battle going on uh, for souls, and we do have power to save lives through our our words and our actions and working together. So, started getting into the human cloning topic and uh, put some pieces together. Not all of them. I'm going. To, I'm not going to disclose all of them right here, but in a later podcast, I'm going to going to drop the 411 on a human cloning agenda with key players, names, details, 
going to be a good one. It's going to be, going to be good to expose it. Um, anything you want to add? Well, like I would just going into those that have the means to really forward this technology. Um, Elon Musk just got finished with what. Well, he just got finished um, with his neural lace or neural link. Neural link. Um, uh, animal trials. He, he wants to go into human trials. And this year, 2023. Yeah. Well, I guess I will drop drop it right now, but in later podcasts, I'll give details. Yeah, I mean, we're just, we're just, it, it's news right now. You can, you can search for it. I saw an article on it from, in Forbes. Um, talking about it, about 2023, he wanted to do that. And why? What, what, why? What's the whole point? Why? What is the point? He's got to be part of this transhumanism agenda. Why would he be? He is part of it. Of he, he, he he's a a key player. He's a kingpin in it. So he I, he owns a corporation, Neuralink, that is attempting to manipulate society, and first condition them get them ready to accept something from this billionaire because he has so much money and he's quote so smart and has all these cool uh companies that he really know that, 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 that he really knows what's in humanity's best interest and, and he talks about that yeah right stuff a lot you know where he He's concerned about humanity and everything that we've gone through with the you know, depopulation agenda that's and going cybernetics, on. Cybernetics, his concern about artificial intelligence, it's all bullcrap. He's pushing it. He's just playing this facade like he has this concern about humanity when in the background he's just ushering in the Antichrist with all the technology that he has right. and all the means he has to for forward yeah. that technology. And the way that he wants the future to be, it's not organic. It's uh, it's technology worship. I'm not going to disclose those details yet. Anyway, so with, with, with that and the transhumanism agenda and everything that, you know, We've been working on that's not the only subject we work on many subjects a lot of them especially uh listen to some of the recent po podcasts with dr carrie hamade to where she yeah. is is exposing the things that are in the vials with the, the injection the hydra hydra the vulgaris and all kinds of payloads of things and, that are yeah. in there that are um, this also connects to the depopulation agenda uh modifying DNA with messenger RNA, all the people that are dying from suddenly dying, not just dying. I mean, I'm talking in the middle of a soccer field, boom, done, died. They got, there's this movie out, died suddenly, not movie, it's a documentary, died suddenly by, uh, what's his name, Peter? St Stu Peters. Peters. Highly recommend you watch that. I, I don't subscribe to Stu Peters' uh, political beliefs, but he did a really good job on this documentary. It's 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 disturbing to see people that are, you know, just there having a conversation, having a normal meal or having just being in a normal place and then boom, just dead, done. Died suddenly, suddenly. How many people do we know that are dying just suddenly here? Well, you're not going to hear that on mainstream news. No. You have to look at people that are reporting this stuff that, you know, are 
getting a hard time about it too. I mean, they're getting threats to shut down their PayPal accounts, shut down their bank accounts. We're having to work around this stuff and we'll, on another podcast, we'll share something that we're going to be doing. We've already signed up for under Dr. Carrie Maday. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in the future. Parallel uh, economy. And that goes, plays right into that dream I had this morning, which was just confirming that. Yeah. But uh, any, any more uh, any more stories or things about our origin and this this battle against the machine? Well, let's go um, into a little bit about um, our, our the thing about the nuclear stuff and how we reached out. We're told to reach out to two people who are just amazing and everything they've done and how they yeah. continue to persevere. Yeah. So after after I exposed Honeywell and got the word out, they were still in operating, still in operations. Um, they're now in a cold shutdown and smack dab in the middle of a class action lawsuit <laughs> for their negligent rape of the environment and and evil disregard for the sacredness of human life so we reached out to uh, uh i went to i went to a local meeting about uh regarding honeywell was with the nrc honeywell and then the public of course i gave my piece you know questions and whatever and another guy had my photos and stuff but uh i met gary vanderbo he's uh, a former lockheed martin uh, engineer that worked at the paducah gaseous diffusion plant in paducah kentucky which is honeywell's big sister plant that enriched the uranium hexafluoride to a low percentage of the uranium 235 isotope that's used for nuclear bobs um, so we talked to him a little bit he gave us a lead on two two individuals that changed my life forever i've learned more from these two men than any other men that i've learned any good skills from in my life they've kind of helped raise me a little bit within the past seven years um, these two men they're from the portsmouth ohio area they are former uh, employees at the portsmouth gaseous diffusion plant which increased the uranium they protected it. enrichment enrichment to 95 percent for the actual material used in the nuclear bombs 97 percent yeah uh, jeff was an anti-terrorism swat member part of a special brigade that protected and secured the radioactive materials that was used the final product and you know they had to they had to guard this material sometimes stand around these these cylinders that were giving off neutrons massive amounts of neutrons and parts of the facility that were so radioactive they would just have to stand there for hours on end guarding the stuff and then you know aid in transporting it and be around it um that's that that man's name is jeff walburn and the other is a certified former uh certified osha investigator uh, he was in the Air Force, Green Beret training, has a background in investigations, did investigations for the Air Force that which is still classified. But 
due to his his background in investigations, he became the certified OSHA investigator for the porcelain gaseous diffusion plant. And then Jeff was exposed to what he considers a quote cocktail end quote of hundreds of classified chemicals, chemical compounds, radioactive compounds. When a pipe burst above his head when he was in the X-326 building. And it nearly killed him. Um, he was burned inside and out. He had lung matter actually coming out of his, his nose that was so burnt from the uh, radioactive uh, hydrogen fluoride, which when it hits air turns into an acid, hydrofluoric acid, that was contained in that cocktail of chemicals that he was engulfed in. Uh, nearly shut down his lungs. Uh, he was in the hospital for a while. But Chick, uh, Charles Chick Lawson, the, the former ocean investigator, and Jeff started working together in unraveling the puzzle pieces at Portsmouth. And 20, 27 years later, I believe it is, to this, this year, 27 years, they're still working together in uncovering and exposing and taking direct action against the tyrannists the supervillains at the Portsmouth gaseous diffusion plant. So we did a uh, three hour interview with them and Dr. Menuda, and that resulted in one of, um, I'm forgetting his name, the radio show that uh, Ralph Nader. <coughs> Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader, um, maybe a week or so after our interview, um, interviewed them on his, his 100th radio show. So that was the beginning of um, just more strong strengths in, in numbers and those that really understand and care about what was happening. And just proof that, that your actions are powerful and really do make good change. So that led to where things are today. And, you know, we. That's one of, one of many areas that we continue to focus on. Um, other areas we've also covered quite a bit um, in the health sector. We have many interviews with Dr. Chip Nichols. And you can find these podcasts inside of um, the front page of our website. Also, Bobby. Or, or you can find a call to actions on any podcast network. It's on any network. So that's, also, that's one thing that's good is I could transmit this communication out there uh, live right now. And then, and then it could still be stored on demand on any network for anybody in the future to have access to. There's a lot of good articles on the website, too. And Bobby also has a connection to his documentary. Want to tell him a little bit about the documentary? Well, yeah, I did a documentary on the Portsmouth Gaseous Diffusion Plant um, interviewing these nuclear whistleblowers um, that 
And let me tell you, these guys, Jeff and Chick, had Q clearances. What that is, is the highest security clearance in the U.S. Okay? So that that's how deep it goes. And for their problems to be spoken about, you can be assured that there are some huge problems at Portsmouth, Paducah, Metropolis. What's the name of the documentary? Well, the documentary is called Death by Diffusion. That's, uh, he did it all. He recorded it. He edited it. He designed the cover. He did, did it all and had never done it before. So it was first time learning how to do all that. But he did it all himself. Yeah. I could have spent more time on it, but it already took me like what, like a, a year of editing, a full year of editing. <laughs> I was ready to get it out because at the time there they had a lawsuit against the plant. They're working on more lawsuits. Actually, the first one was dismissed because of a lawyer issue, uh, which sucks. But um, but now they're working on more lawsuits because. Uranium, Neptunium, Technesium-99, all radioactive, and other elements were found in Chick's house, which is about 11 miles, 11 miles from the plant. And the plant is claiming that, oh no, the, the zone outside the plant that's radioactive is, is it's only five miles. Five miles. That's what Department of Energy claim. No, it goes beyond 11 miles. It goes beyond 14 miles. It it probably goes about probably goes about 70 miles. Probably even more. And you can, um, Dwayne Pullman has. Um, do you know what what the name of the radio? I mean, the, the TV station that he's. Uh, what was it? Dwayne Pullman, local. It's in Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, Dwayne Dwayne Pullman. His last name is P O H L M A N. First name Dwayne, uh, D U A N E. Dwayne Pullman, uh, and he's covered extensively, extensively covered the ports of the gaseous diffusion plant. After you know, we kind of laid out the launch ramp for for people to start looking at the the huge criminal case that the managers of these corporations at the plant and bodies within government have committed against the people in the communities and that worked there and also the environment. So on a lighter note, we, we do have an interview um, out there where Bobby interviews me about a series of, of book series that um, God prompted me to write called the Star Pal series. It's seven books based on seven virtues for children, basically newborn up to about first or second grade. And each character represents a virtue and there's nine different scenarios in each book that shows them how to practice the virtue. It's very empowering. Um, children get it right away. You want to visit the website and take a look at inside the books. It's www.thestar.com pals p-a-l-s dot com and you can take a look at that too we don't want to be always just on the you know 
other stuff. We could lighten it up a little bit too with some of our other projects and focuses. Again, Dr. Chip, Dr. Carey. I don't know. I, I can't really lighten it up too much except for adding a little bit of humor every once in a while. Okay. Well, I'm just... But yeah, I love I love her books. Kimberly's books, are, Kimberly's books are awesome. Yeah, I did work with uh, LA Unified after school program and uh, we did an eight-week pilot with the school in San Pedro and I would come in each week and read a book to the children and then they had their treasure charts where they could earn acknowledgement stars for their good deeds. So we did that for eight weeks. It's a win. At a graduation with the parents um, afterwards. At a graduation with the parents afterwards and then um, led to me being let, uh, being asked to teach a three and a half hour workshop to all their after school program workers so they could incorporate that um, the Star Pals into, I'm not sure what kind of details, but it was a, basically an idea session workshop yeah. where we came up with ideas and how um, we could creatively incorporate that into their daily or at least their after school program areas. And I'm not sure if it got into the schools from there forward, but um, it's something that I'm also beginning to work with the local elementary schools here in Ohio, Cleveland area. So yeah, Origins we're speaking of. Kimberly is also an author. She does have uh, a lot of love, peace, and kindness in her, and it's it's really expressed pretty well in, in her books. Well, our children are our future, and if we can give them the tools to understand social emotional learning is when you make a choice, you can make a positive or you can make a negative choice. And teaching the children to feel the choice and how it feels good to make a positive choice and how that can positively impact not only their life, but their brothers, their sisters, their mother, their father, their schoolmates, their community, their world, and empower children to think that every choice they make has a ripple and it does have an effect. It doesn't matter what age you are. It, it does have an effect. So that empowering vision that came from God, I was out running one day and he asked me, he said, I need to speak to my children, all my children. And I started you know, getting very emotional because I felt God's pain that they can't hear him. And so I said yes. I didn't know exactly what I was saying yes to, but I said yes, I will help. I will I will be hands and feet. And three days later he gave me the vision for the seven books. And it took about four and a half years to get the books completed. How, how long before the call to actions did you do Star Pals? Um, the vision was given to me in two thousand six. It was the books were completed at the end of two thousand say it was around 2010 2011 it was a four and a half year project you know I don't know I would I would have said happily yes to had God given me the, the entire uh, challenge of trying to find an illustrator that was of integrity enough to actually complete what they said they were going to do it wasn't until we got the fifth illustrator that he would actually finish the series so there was a good bit of challenges in um you know, people making promises and not delivering, but it never dawned on me to stop. It was just 
it will get done in its own time. And it, you know, there was quite a lot of lessons in there. So I was the definitely the first person to learn the virtue. That, that's not necessarily a call to actions, but that's uh, it's part of a call to action. It's part of me. It's part of us. It's, it is, but it is a part of Kimberly, who is like the documentary. A call to action. Call to actions, but it's right. part of a call to action. So uh, anyway, if you want to reach out to me and with any further details or listen to that interview we just wanted to share that piece as well there's a lot a lot out there tons of articles with links we were just sharing one the other day about weather modification and this lad, latest uh, arctic air that we received that was um very manufactured mm -hmm. i mean who doesn't see all the chemicals being sprayed on us every day and it was, see our uh, weather affected by it what was what was the exact phrase you used a snow bomb or blizzard bomb or something like arctic bomb arctic kinda. bomb something like that yeah uh yeah i think they were they were experimenting on some clouds a few weeks well actually about a month or more uh before that happened uh kimberly and i went out to eat and walked outside and in the horizon was this cloud that had obviously been seeded, uh, cloud seeding. Nothing else around it. But it, it looked like it looked like an explosion. It looked like the cloud from uh, an atomic bomb. Like a, yeah, it was. It was like a mushroom cloud. It was like huge from top to bottom. It, it was laying on the ground, going all the way up to the top. I mean very odd we got pictures of it because it's like that that's not normal that yeah. is not a cloud what yeah. is it yeah and if you want to see um and expose and expose a company that actually contracts for weather modification projects just go to weathermodification.com and you'll see their projects and be able to see pictures of their aircraft and even their uh, their uh, their journals I go back to like 1968, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the weather, weather modification has been going on for a long time. Okay. And we, uh, we try to touch on a lot of different topics. You try to focus on solutions as well. And we're well, sick and fed up. Yeah. And uh, we're about to organize, try to organize a... No, don't try just do yeah a a peaceful protest peaceful uh, opposing the portsmouth gaseous diffusion plants activities and we can post that up on the website once it's there we can let you know let you know and i mean if if anyone hears this and they're inspired just go out and protest. Hold up a sign. Do something. Do some research. Uncover a document. Do something that helps. We all have. We all have. We all. Yeah. And subscribe to a call to action on all the notes. So we can all collectively work together on this stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we can wrap it up. I love getting into the uh, radio zone. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I'd go over with my mom to one of my mom's friend's house and her son had a uh, stereo with a cassette player, cassette recorder. I put in a blank cassette and record myself talking into the radio 
having my own little radio show and play it back and listen to it. So, I mean, I've wanted to have my own little talk show, radio show since I was like five. Well, the good side of technology makes it possible for anyone to have a voice. The good side, yes. And that's, <laughs> that's why ethics are so important when technology comes out. Don't just accept it. You don't have to. It's not mandatory. Don't let anybody scare you or try to persuade you into some latest gadget or some new thing. Because what really matters is what's in your spirit and in your heart. All right, we're going to wrap things up because it's getting loud in the traffic yeah. area we're in today. So stay tuned. More, more to come. And yeah. blessings to you. Be safe. Uh, if you don't know Jesus, the time is now. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll say from northern Ohio, peace, love, and unity. God bless you guys. Stay resistant. Stay God's army battling the machine. Cheers.